And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me, as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy, which we almost never say to each other anymore. Don't be crazy, Zach. Nosvidaniya. I think that means goodbye <laughs> in Russian. There you go. Nosvidaniya. I was trying to say hello. That's the only word I know. <laughs> so. Stol. Oh. What? <laughs> so whenever I go to Russia, I'll just say "stol" to everybody. Stol, 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 stol. And they'll just think I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a bright young boy. So, so I'm like, what? <laughs> that way I can pretend like they're not speaking correct. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear you. Don't talk to me about classified. <laughs> exactly. What is oh, your name, goodness. Sailor? Yeah. yeah, that's pretty great. I do like Torturo there. Yeah, he's a lot great. of our favorite films. It's like I spent my whole life looking for aliens, and now you carry one of your first, like a little chihuahua. <laughs> oh, eight-year-olds, dude. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, so what have you been watching? Quite a bit, actually. So I followed up the final two Transformers films in the saga. I didn't watch Bumblebee, but I need to watch it. Oh, man, it. it's one of the best ones. And I really like that one a lot. Yeah, so I watched Transformers Age of Extinction and Transformers The Last Night. Oh. And I got to tell you... <laughs> Those are very long movies. Age of Extinction was two hours and 45 minutes, and I almost wanted to rip my eyeballs out uh, during it. Horrible acting. Mark Wahlberg, I love the guy, but man, <laughs> he has some moments where you're just like, why do you why do you do the things that you do? But he's all, I'm not going to do it to save your daughter. I'm doing it to save my girlfriend. Yeah. And then my favorite line in that movie is when he goes, don't you need a warrant for that? And the guy goes, my face is my warrant. <laughs> And I, I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. And I'm like, this movie's so fucking bad. And that's in the first like 20 minutes. <laughs> so, I know. We, were, uh, uh, we, did a, we were talking about it on Geek Legacy when it came out. And we all kind of didn't like it. And I felt bad about that. So I was like, yeah, it's like the greatest Transformers movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> all the product placement. The yeah. whole Bud Light thing. He's like, you better have insurance. And he's like, here's my insurance. And he <laughs> drinks the Bud Light in front of him. So that one was terrible. But then the last night actually wasn't as bad. It's it's still not great or anything like that. But I enjoyed uh, a good majority of it. It's very long. So long. But... I fell asleep like seventeen times in the theater and it was still playing. <laughs> I looked over at my buddy Linnell. He was also sleeping. I'm like, oh my god, we just wasted so much money on this movie. <laughs> Did Linnell like it? No, he was, oh. he was out cold. <laughs> oh that's funny so yeah you know who was on this show i know desperado uh, yeah. i remember yeah. uh shout out to Linnell. but th- yeah definitely man you know it was one of those one of those movies that i was like why am i doing this to myself but who cares it was something i could put on the background i rewatched blades of glory and that movie is hilarious and then i watched both of these south park post covid episodes on paramount plus and those were really really funny i enjoyed the hell out of them um, and then finally, I started the new show Reacher on uh, Amazon Prime. It is mm-hmm. the Jack Reacher character that Tom Cruise played before. I never saw the Jack Reacher movies, but I really am enjoying the hell out of this show so far. And the guy that plays him, I think his name's like Arnie Richson or something like that. He was Reacher. Fat, 
No, is the real actor. He was was in Blue Mountain State. He was Thad in Blue Mountain State. The dude is a a Hulk. He is huge because apparently the Jack Reacher character is supposed to be like a big brute. And uh, (laughs) Tom Cruise is not the big brute. Exactly. He was definitely miscast. So I'm I'm liking it a lot. It's uh, it's pretty good. So I'm about two episodes in and we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's all. That's all I got watching. The movies are fun. Really? They made two of them. I know that. I didn't. I don't. I don't read like Jack Reacher books or anything, so I don't. I don't know how amazing they are compared to that. But I enjoyed the what I saw. Yeah, it's a it's a good idea for sure. So sure. What yeah. about you? Uh, I've been watching a lot of Winter Olympics, and that was fun. So it made me laugh when you said you were watching um, Blades of Glory because that's like total Winter Olympic style. And then <laughs> uh, Peacemaker, Book of Boba Fett, all caught up on those. I watched Injustice, the animated movie for uh, DC pretty good and then i watched uh, mortal kombat legends battle of the realms which is kind of like a follow-up to that uh scorpion movie that came out like i don't know two years ago and uh it was pretty good and a lot of a lot of death and carnage and blood and guts and gore it was nuts and then <laughs> i watched warrior uh because <laughs> we were just you're talking do- about it you're doing on, it tommy <laughs> on, on account of uh the movie miracles and director and then i watched donnie brasco today Oh, to Fugazi. To Fugazi. Yeah. Man, Warrior's so good. I was thinking about that, too, because I was listening to the Miracle podcast. I'm like, I should go home and watch it. <laughs> it's yeah, so good. It, it's really good. And the thing is, it's streaming on Netflix, but it's really grainy. And I don't remember it being that way. And it was tripping me out. So I started watching other things really fast just to see if I was going crazy or if my TV was freaking out. But it was just that movie. But see, I own it, but it's on my Amazon account for some mm-hmm. reason. And... It was logged into Alex's Amazon account, and so I didn't want to like log out and log back <laughs> and all these things. So I couldn't tell you if it's supposed to be that way or not. But it was driving me crazy how grainy yeah. it was. I do remember it being a bit grainy. Like it's it's just the filter that he used for it. I'm I'm pretty sure that it is, but it's not egregious. Like it's not anything that you'd be like, this is driving me crazy with how it looks. So I think I got over it. It might only be when they're in Pittsburgh, to be honest with you. Like yeah, it's to get to the feel like the of bird. Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> In the bird. I feel and, like uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen song is playing as I'm walking through. Yeah. <laughs> and so there you have it. But I enjoy it so much. And you know it's what's so funny is I get so choked up when when his fans, when Brandon's fans, like his students yeah. and the t- and the principal are like cheering, like I like cry. I get so just like emotional. I'm like, oh my God, they love him so much. I know. That's so cool. Yeah. I really, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I want to I want to rewatch it. <laughs> Tom, Tom Hardy's just a freaking uh, a gorilla and just goes in yeah. and just destroys people. <laughs> I don't know who they got to wear that that Marine Corps helmet when he rips off the tank. But the, when he pauses the video, there's no fucking way that the guy <laughs> in the video is Tom Hardy. I, I mean, my next door neighbor that's like 70 years old might as well be Tom Hardy. <laughs> Looks nothing like him. Maybe he is. Ask him if he was in the core. <laughs> <laughs> It drives me nuts. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? They just got a random dude. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So funny. Anyway, uh, the movie we are doing this week was my pick, and it is The Enemy at the Gates, which is streaming on something. What is it? It's on Prime. Amazon Prime, I believe. And uh, it's from 2001. It is directed by Jean-Jacques Anod, uh, who you might know from The Name of the Rose and Seven Years in Tibet. Ooh, I have like that se- movie. Have you seen the na- in the the name of the rose? Uh, no, I know what that is. Is in that Irish movie or something? It's like that? Uh, yeah, Sean Connery and Christian Slater and 
Uh, it's like a murder mystery, I think. You and Christian Slater, you love you love that CS. Broken Arrow is your favorite movie. <laughs> you love him in the office when he introduces Saber. So, I don't yeah. think that's right. I think it's a <laughs> I think it's a murder mystery. Yeah, mysterious deaths. Mm, murder, you say. An intellectually nonconformist friar investigates a series of mysterious deaths in an isolated abbey. I've never seen it from start to finish. I've come and gone. It was on HBO a lot when I was a kid. But Christian Slater has this wicked bowl cut. And it, like uh, that movie we watched the other day, is very distracting with the haircuts. <laughs> yeah, the last duel. Okay, <laughs> can't take it. <laughs> Oh, I'm man. very superficial when it comes to haircuts. I, I know I, you are. <laughs> I feel bad, but I just I can't. He looks like Lloyd Christmas in fucking Dumb and Dumber. You've already given Henry two haircuts. So. <laughs> I know he's totally gonna rock some ridiculous haircut, and I'm just he's gonna be, have to. Dad, let me ha- let me dye my hair blue, and you're like, I don't know about all that. <laughs> Call him the blue one. It'll be great. There you go. Anyway, it was uh, written by Jean Jacquinard and Elan Goddard. Uh, it's based on William Craig's 1973 nonfiction book, Enemy at the Gates, The Battle for Stalingrad, which I did not know until last night. I had no idea. Uh, so there you have The more you know, the cast <laughs> includes one Jude Law, who's just so adorable. I love looking at that man, especially in this era. Yeah. Ed Harris, Rachel Wise, Joseph Fiennes. Bob Hoskins and Ron Perlman. Critical reception was not terribly kind to this movie. Uh, it's a whopping fifty-three percent on the old tomato meter. There, however, the audience score is eighty-two. So uh, maybe we just don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we don't know what makes a movie absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. It is. Uh... It is interesting. I am curious to know what your thoughts are on the motion picture show. But um, let's see. Ryan Cracknell from Movie Views says, while it does have some solid moments of action, the film as a whole is laughable. Ha ha. Ha ha. Let's see. Kevin Carr from 7M Pictures says it could have held back on the parts featuring boredom because they did tend to drag the suspense down a bit. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry that people dying and <laughs> something that was based off of real life was boring to you, good sir, kind sir. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You don't yeah. get all the flying and the magic like you want all the time. <laughs> yeah. Bob Grimm from Sacramento News and Review says there's a decent movie buried in here somewhere, but the lousy love triangle and ultimate lack of focus make this WW2 drama a bit of a hard take. So, there you have it. Uh, Let's see here. Nell Minow from Common Sense Media, the only positive review I see on the screen. Man. She She says... Tense and violent World War II movie. <laughs> so there you, I'll take it. Oh, I actually okay. like this movie. <laughs> okay. Well, well, on, a, on a high note. Uh, let's see. Yeah. The budget was $68 million. It grossed the United States and Canada at $51.4 million bucks. Opening weekend was 13.8. Worldwide, you're looking at $96.9 million. And this is a British-made movie. So... I'm curious how well it did in uh, London. You sound like you're from London. 
But that's right. all I got. Okay. Well, in the large battle scenes, it's it was deemed too dangerous with so many extras in a confined space to set off explosions by remote. Stuntmen were mixed in with the extras to set off the explosions by stepping on pressure plates. And that sounds awful. <laughs> okay, I need you to run and step on this and get explodey. Uh, yeah. Explosions are that. dangerous, man. Uh, I know. <laughs> we, we had me. some interesting experiences out in the <clears throat> desert with explosives, and I was nervous the entire time. Yeah, that's uh, not something not something you can play around with. I'm not. Yeah. I don't like fire too much. Not a huge fan of it. So, so this film depicts uh, Zaitsev as a bit of an unschooled simpleton from some backwater part of the country, but who knew how to shoot a rifle. In reality, Zaitsev was an educated man and had worked for five years as an accountant in the Russian Navy stationed in the Pacific before joining the army. So there we go. Smart guy, the accountant. And that's actually who Ben Affleck played in that movie. He was. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just numbers. Zaitsev. Uh, outside of Zaitsev's own accounts of the war, there is no evidence for the existence of Major Koenig. Although there is Colonel Hummel and he took over the rock. If it, if, uh, it took a team of 300 nearly five months to create all the prosthetic corpses seen in the film. And there are a lot of bodies. Um, I think they estimated about half a million soldiers were killed in the Battle of Stalingrad, which is utterly insane. That's so many people. <laughs> um, so the character of Ludmilla is a possible reference to another famous Soviet sniper, Ludmilla Pavlichenko, who had over 300 kills, even more than that of Vasily Zaitsev, who had around 257 kills, and more than Mark Wahlberg in Lone Survivor, who had a lot of other kills. So. I made that last part up. <laughs> and then there was that one with Billy Zane and... Uh, the, the Phantom? <laughs> no, no, no. It was just called Sniper. Oh. Did you ever see that? It had Tom Berenger. He was the yes, sniper. I know what you're talking about. And Billy Zane was like a track star that could run really fast. And like, so what you're going to do is you're going to shoot the guy. Then you're going to get... You're gonna get. <laughs> you got to run really fast. He was good. And then Billy Zane came and said, it's a walk-off. Yeah, it's a walk-off. <laughs> it's a walk-off. So, and then finally, unfortunately, in real life, there was no happy reunion for Vasily and Tanya. But uh, by the battle's end, each thought that the other was dead. And Tanya learned years later that not only was her lover still alive, but had recently married. Or at least she claimed. According to Vasily, they were never lovers. And in fact, he was never in any relationships during the war. <laughs> I don't know about this lady. <laughs> she was just a fan who was obsessed with me. So, yeah. I mean, who knows what the he, real story is? He is Jude Law, though. He is dreamy. He's gotten the likes of uh, Cameron Diaz and everyone else. All right. Well, for anybody who has not seen Enemy of the Gates. Oh, that's the Rocky song. Sorry. I don't know how to do the thing. <laughs> so, Enemy of the Gates goes, it goes. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I thought I was doing. It goes, no, no. It goes. It goes. Like, it goes. Da -da. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Minami, like that thing. Yeah. So a, a young Vasily Zaitsev is taught how to shoot uh, a hunting rifle by his grandfather in the Ural Mountains. Later, Grandpappy. Yeah. They say, como se dice Grandpappy in Russian? I don't know. Vodka. I don't, I don't later following, <laughs> later, babushka? Later following the invasion of the Soviet Union in 1941, Zaitsev is a soldier in the Red Army and is sent to the front line of the Battle of Stalingrad in 1942. Forced into a suicidal charge without a rifle, he hides. That sounds so terrifying. Yeah. He, hi he hides while a tank shell incapacitates a car. The occupant, the occupant, uh, Commissar Danilov, 
hides among numerous bodies, coincidentally next to Vasily, who uses his exceptional marksmanship to kill the German soldiers nearby. Nikita Khrushchev arrives in Stalingrad to coordinate the defense of the city and demands ideas from his subordinates on morale. Danilov, now a senior lieutenant, suggests that the people need an example to follow and give them hope. When Khrushchev asks if he knows any such men, Danilov uh, recommends Zaitsev. Soon, as, soon after, Danilov begins publishing heroic tales of Vasily's exploits in the army's newspaper. Friedrich Zoller. Vasily is transferred to the sniper division and becomes friends with Danilov. Both also become romantically interested in Tanya Chernova, a citizen of Stalingrad and private in the local militia. In fear for her safety, Danilov has her transferred away to an intelligence unit, ostensibly to make use of her German skills in translating radio intercepts. With the Soviet snipers taking an increasing toll on the German forces, German Major Erwin Koenig is deployed to kill Vasily and crush the Soviet morale. A renowned marksman and head of the German Army Sniper School at Zosim, he lures Vasily into a trap and kills two of his fellow snipers, but Vasily manages to escape. When the Red Army Command learns of Koenig's mission, they dispatch Koenig's former student, Kulikov, to help Vasily kill him. Koenig, however, outmaneuvers Kulikov and kills him, shaking Vasily's spirits. Khrushchev pressures Danilov to bring the sniper standoff to a conclusion. Sasha, a young Soviet boy, volunteers to act as a double agent by passing Koenig false information about Vasily's whereabouts. Vasily sets a trap for Koenig and manages to wound him with the help of Tanya, who has come to rescue Vasily. During a second attempt, Vasily falls asleep and his sniper log is stolen by a looting German soldier. The German command takes the log as evidence of Vasily's death and plans to send Koenig home, but Koenig does not believe that Vasily is dead. The German general takes Koenig's dog tags to prevent Soviet propaganda from profiting if Koenig is killed. Koenig also gives the general a war merit cross that was posthumously awarded to Koenig's son, who was a lieutenant in the 116th Infantry Division and killed in the early days of the battle. Koenig tells Sasha where he will be next, suspecting that the boy will tell Vasily. Tanya and Vasily have meanwhile fallen in love. That night, Tanya secretly goes to the Soviet barracks and makes love with Vasily. The jealous Danilov dis uh, disparages Vasily. Koenig, Koenig spots Tanya and Vasily waiting for him at his next ambush spot, confirming his suspicions about Sasha. He then kills the boy and hangs his body to bait Vasily. <laughs> Vasily vows to kill Koenig and sends Tanya and Danilov to escape Sasha's mother. Tanya is wounded by shrapnel en route to the boats. Thinking she is dead, Danilov regrets his jealousy of Vasily and expresses disenchantment over his previous ardor for communism. Finding Vasily waiting to ambush Koenig, Danilov intentionally exposes himself in order to provoke Koenig into shooting him and revealing his position. Sacrificing his life... Dot, dot, dot. Sacrificing his life. <laughs> Sorry. Thinking that he has killed Vasily, Koenig goes to inspect the body and is then in Vasily's sights. Accepting his fate, Koenig turns to face Vasily, who shoots him squarely in the eye and takes his rifle. Two months later, after Stalingrad has been liberated and German forces have surrendered, Vasily finds Tanya recovering in a field hospital. So that's... <laughs> that's not how it goes either. That's funny. I don't remember how uh, it goes. It goes... <laughs> <laughs> in my head I can do it in my head movies I can do it but it's <laughs> like so we go enemy at the gates mm -hmm. look to that Ta -da -da. yeah <laughs> so when did you first watch enemy at the gates and what were your first impressions of the bang bang shoot 'em up sniper movie uh, I was around 2005 like I've uh, spoken about before when I was on my big movie kick and I have it I have it on on the DVD 
um, I really enjoyed it when I first saw it a lot. Then I saw it uh, subsequent times after that and really enjoyed it. This watch, though, I don't know if I appreciated it as much. I like it. I, I love the cat and mouse, but I think, you know, the fact that I've seen it enough and it kind of the rewatchability for me, it doesn't really add anything new necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't maybe as good as I thought it was, but I still I still enjoyed the hell out of the movie. I, mm-hmm. you know, I love Jude Law. I love Ed Harris. Um, I love Rachel Weisz. And uh, they they all did a very, very good job. It's it's hard to watch something like this to see soldiers who literally are marching to their death, who get no rifle. You know, it's like if the guy in front of you dies, which he will, you pick up his gun. Otherwise, just go charge all these Germans with guns and you have nothing. And oh, by the way, if you turn around, we're going to kill you. So it's like, Jesus Christ, you know, I don't know how accurate that was necessarily, but. From all the diehard movies, Russians are bad, man. I guess the Germans are bad in that one too. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing, right? Is this movie was screened in in Russia, and apparently they didn't go over so well. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, that doesn't surprise that. me, though. Right. So yeah, just the very idea of being shot for deserting, like when they jump off the boat when the plane's attacking them at the beginning, and they're just getting shot in the water by their own men. That's pretty nuts. Not and a fan of that. The whole idea of one with one with the rifle shoots, the other guy carries the bullets. When the one with the rifle dies, and the other one picks up the rifle and keeps going, you're like, um, sure, man. <laughs> Thanks. Can we draw straws for the rifle, please? This sucks. <laughs> I had a reservation for the rifle. Um, <laughs> set it at 6 p.m., please. Did you ever play the original Call of Duty game set in World War II? The very, uh, very first one in like 2003 or four, whenever that is was. Is that the one with Normandy? Uh, I mean, it might have that at the beginning, but um, there's it, it cuts to Russia where you get to play as a Russian soldier, and it has that whole scene where you don't get a rifle, and you just get the bullets. And you gotta wait till the guy next to you dies, and then you gotta pick up the gun. I'm it's not a fan crazy. of that. Holy yeah. shit! No, I did not play it. I guess. Yeah, it was nuts. It was uh after all the guys left um the the Medal of Honor game, they went and made the studio that did Call of Duty, and and then they uh were very successful. <laughs> As it turns out, the Call of Duty folk uh, worked out. Maybe Medal of Honor is the Normandy scene then. Yeah, that, that, that was Allied Assault. And that yeah. began with them going. I, I do, I'm do. i pretty sure that the first Call of Duty also has it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't remember. It's been it's been ages. It's been 22 yeah, goddamn fucking years. <laughs> yeah, it's 2003. So that, that's when your, your Vince Zampella first like sort of came up with the the call of duty game wow oh, cool yeah absolutely so anyway uh well great uh i saw it in 2002 uh, i was in one of my i was in my screenwriting class actually and a guy was talking about the movie and saying how cool it was and i hadn't seen it yet and it was available to buy so i just cruised over to uh, a best buy which i actually call big buy for some reason <laughs> uh, so i went to the big buy and uh scored me a copy of it on the dvd and watched it when i got home and i enjoyed the hell out of it but sounds i like... em- immediately recognized the willow music <laughs> it sounds like your boondock saints story yeah word of mouth yeah i'm, I'm easily sold when it comes to movies <laughs> i mean not all the time <laughs> he was he was pretty excited about uh telling the story you know mm-hmm. he he genuinely enjoyed the film and i think it was his sort of passion and excitement that made me want to watch it i was like well if cool. this guy likes it then maybe i'll check it out and yeah i enjoyed it yeah sweet good to i hear. think at the time 
I thought Jude Law and, and Joseph Fiennes were like the same person. <laughs> Much like <laughs> Koenig did when he shot Joseph in the face. Oof. I was like, oh, those are two different people? <laughs> Easy mistake. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't really look that much alike, but it was just, they were both in a lot of movies in that time period. And uh, when you're not really paying attention to that sort of thing, you're just like, another Ethan Hawke movie? Oh my gosh. Gattaca? <laughs> uh, all over right. again? <laughs> right, right. Uh, now, are you a history buff, and do you know much about World War II? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'd like to think I'm a somewhat of a history buff. It was my favorite subject in school, but it's been many moons since, you know, high school and stuff. So I, I'm sure I could tell you a tale or two from World War Two and, and figure it out. Even World War One at that. And I mean, I could definitely get by at like a trivia night, like if we did bar trivia. Um, like I know how World War One started the assassination, the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Bet you didn't mm, know that. I did. Oh, I know you did. You know, everything. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And I, I remember, you know, like the uh, axis of evil. I would have called Franco Ferdinand. <laughs> there you go. Uh, axis of evil and the axis of power. Like those. And I know I know a decent amount from it. But I don't think that <clears throat> I would necessarily call me a history buff. My buddy Eric is very knowledgeable in history, especially military history. And then my boss also, uh, same kind of thing. There's this really cool podcast by um, Dan Crenshaw, I think. And it's called Hardcore History. Um, he goes over a lot of that stuff. They're very long episodes, but I mean, history is so rich, you know. And I think that when I when I watch shows like Bands, Band of Brothers and stuff, that gets me like more invigorated to to study up or or just at least get crash courses uh, off of youtube and be like okay yeah, yeah i remember learning about that so do you like the band franz ferdinand uh yeah they're okay they have like one song they're like <laughs> oh yeah i don't even know what song that is it's like is it that Take me out. Is yeah. That, is that that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of a football game. I think it was a, Mad- it was a certain Madden game. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, yo, Franco. Franco Ferdinand. <laughs> it's Franz. My Franco head. <laughs> yeah. uh, what are some of your favorite World War II films? Ooh, I have a lot. I love war. Do you? What, what, what is, is it good, good for? for? <laughs> Absolutely. Don't nothing. you never touch a black man's radio. <laughs> um, yeah, all you Rush Hour Two fans out there, just saying that, or Rush Hour One, I guess. Inglorious Bastards is definitely on there because I love how Tarantino does his revisionist history, and it's it's the whole like we get to kill Hitler, and holy shit, that movie's awesome. Dunkirk, incredible film. It's actually one of my favorite Nolan films. Oh yeah, I watched that too. I didn't put that on the list, but I watched that. On Saturday. Yeah. My favorite line from Tom Hardy is, Well, the band's going to be a harder than I can't fucking hear anything yeah. he ever says, but he's well, still Nolan really Well, Nolan was recording good. the audio from his iPhone on the ground yeah. while Tom Hardy was flying up in the air. And they used so actual ridiculous. World War II planes, which was pretty crazy. <laughs> he actually damaged, too. <laughs> so. Oh, rickety. I don't, there's like eight spoken lines in that whole movie, and Kenneth Branagh probably has four of them. Yeah, I still love the hell out of it. Visually, it's beautiful. Holy shit, that movie is 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 smashing. So I like. Is the guy a really a spy, or is he just a French dude? Or I think he's just a French dude just trying to get the hell out of there because he he gotcha. wanted he wanted out of uh, off the beaches. You know, he wanted out of right. Dunkirk. When we first see him, he's taking the clothes off of that dead soldier. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I'm just curious, did he kill the dead soldier or was the guy already dead on the beach? Because there was no real hostility on the beach at that time. Mm-hmm. And the French were holding the line like Toto. And um, <laughs> love isn't always on time. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's just on behind that hill changing clothes. And I'm just like, wait a minute now. Isn't that the music video where the guy just plays the keyboard and he looks at the camera? Yeah, right. Too? The camera is <laughs> just eye fucking it while he's <laughs> playing at the beginning. Love it. Oh, yeah, boy. It's my favorite. I and know. he's like got his hand all on his face. Like, you guys always play it on the queue whenever Brett Felix and, and you hang out. It's yep. funny. That's oh, a good one. So, yeah, yeah, so I was curious about that. Was, was there murder? No, I think, I mean, it could be ambiguous, but I think he was just trying to escape because the whole thing was, you know, bring our boys home. Like, they all just want to get the hell out of there. Right, and he and, saved their lives, so it seemed yeah. kind of weird for him to kill somebody. I just mm-hmm. didn't understand why all of a sudden there was just this body on the beach. Fucking Harry Styles, man. Had to be a bad guy in that movie, but. Yeah, he's a bad, um, good guy. Yeah, I know. He he's does sing scared. Sledgehammer pretty well, though. <laughs> People do crazy shit when they're scared. Oh, absolutely. I think that's, that's what he captured so well in, in that film. But uh, Jojo Rabbit, I think, is another very, very good World War II film that we see from a different aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schindler's List is fantastic. It is a hard watch. Um, it's one of those movies that I don't I will need to see maybe once every 10 years. But it's a it's a toughie, man. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's probably one of Spielberg's best films ever. But it, it is a very, very tough movie to watch. Saving Private Ryan, same thing. I love that movie, but that, again, is also a heavy movie to watch. But uh, yeah. And then I have actually not seen these, but I was thinking about these movies. Um, the Bridge Over ri- the River Kwai. Mm-hmm. My my grandpa would always talk about that movie. And then same thing with A Dirty Dozen. I haven't seen that, but I've heard it was awesome. Must be some kind of suicide squad. Yeah, exactly. Thin Red Line. I've actually never seen Thin Red Line. And uh, and Downfall. Downfall is a movie about Hitler in his final days, like before he kills himself in the bunker. So those are some ones that I've 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 heard about that I, I want to see, but I've heard are, are pretty uh, pretty fantastic. What about you? Do you have any uh, World War Two epics? Um, no. okay then (laughs) no i don't want to participate i don't i don't know war movies are really hard for me to be honest with you uh i get really sad and i don't think it really i was never that way until saving private ryan with the beach scene and there's like the one guy that's just crying for his mom while he's dying dude it's so crazy it made me every time i see some kind of war movie I just think of that moment and, you know, they're just kids going off to war, right? Some of them aren't even 18 and it's so freaking sad and it's, it's hard for me to watch. I mean, we did, we talked about that with uh, Jojo rabbit. Like I just, I can't like it's mm-hmm. something about, I can, I can watch RoboCop until my eyes fucking bleed and it's not <laughs> the violence. It's just knowing that people went through something like that. And it's just, it's it's too too hard for me. You know, yeah. My grandfather was in World War Two, and it just stresses me out to think about it. I he was get, he was I a CB, it. so like he was building like buildings and stuff. He wasn't like one of the guys running on the beach or anything like that. But just knowing that at any moment a letter could have come to his ha- to you know my grandma's house saying, "Hey, sorry," you know, he took one for the team, and that would just be devastating 
Well, who knows what's going to happen with Russia and Ukraine right now? About to yeah. enter World War Three again. So it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it stresses me out. I have a hard time enjoying war films. What about Star Wars? That's a war. It's true. It is. <laughs> what about Lord of the Rings? There's a war in that. There's two wars. You know what's funny about Star Wars is they always talk about rule of the galaxy, and I. Th- that seems like so small potatoes to me when you have all these ships that do all this cool stuff, but they're not thinking about the universe. <laughs> they're just thinking <laughs> about their galaxy. And obviously galaxies are really big and everything, but I mean, if you really want to impress me, then, you know, you'd get the universe. <laughs> now you're just showing off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> give me a break. I mean, how big is this universe? They keep ending up on Tatooine anyway. It's like four planets in this universe. Yeah, man. Give me a they break. Need, they need to download MapQuest, print out, <laughs> print out those directions. Yeah. Jeez. Honestly, there's got to be a couple more planets out there. Killing me. Anyway, and t- they made a point to saying that Tatooine's like on the outer rim, so it's, no one goes there. <laughs> they Just do. Just go in the middle of the galaxy and you'll be fine. <laughs> Honestly, what the problem is? Yeah. Drive me nuts. Anyway, so we learned in trivia that the opening battle scene was extremely dangerous, Zach. Lots of explosions there. Did that danger translate well for you on screen? Were you sold by the Battle of Stalingrad from the boats to the charge to the retreat to the near defeat? Um. So this viewing, no. Uh, this viewing, it seemed a little underwhelming. No, I mean, it was it was epic, right? But we're, we, I just listed a bunch of movies that I think do a... F- far better job of portraying the the violence and and making a visceral uh, elicit a visceral reaction to that. And so I don't I think the cream of the crop is saving private Ryan, right? Where that Normandy scene, you know, this is all uh, this is all anecdotal, but I've heard from friends whose, you know, great grandparents or grandparents were in the war and they would like break down crying during that Normandy scene just because it was so uh, realistic, right? Right. And so um for me, this one I thought it was awful. And I'm like, these motherfuckers you get. Yeah, you either get a bullet or guns and you have to just charge. The thing that kind of distracted me, though, was the score. It was very interesting and it was just kind of throwing me off the entire time. It didn't really give you an impending sense of danger. Um, Part of it just didn't work for me. And I don't know what it was. However, once the the smoke settled, right, and you get to meet Danilov and he first meets Vasily, that's when I was like, holy shit, that was awesome. How he is just, you know, aim small, miss small in between that little circle thing, takes all of them out, waiting for the explosions to occur. And then the final guy who's running away, the music builds up like to this crescendo where it's more heroic. And he shoots that guy running and is just like, thank you for the rifle. I'm like, oh, I love this already. <laughs> so I, it, it, um, it just didn't seem like there was... I don't want to say much of a buildup, but I didn't really feel like it was that tense, right? And saving Maybe Private with Ryan, the guys without the rifles, and people just going to their deaths, and the and the deserters. I don't know. I think I might I might have just been spoiled by Saving Private Ryan. No, I don't know what it was, but and that was in '98. I know was June of '98 versus 2001. I feel like they could have done things a little different for this one, but the thing I think that got me the most was seeing how many bodies there were, and that was that was crazy. I was like, Jesus, dude! And the fact that the the own Russian troops are shooting their own, you know, soldiers that was terrible. So that's definitely set a good tone for me in the sense of Stalingrad was crazy. So I I, I liked I liked that aspect. 
Yeah, so I, I saw a statistic that blew me away, and I wasn't. I decided not to include it on the trivia because it it's so insane that you're going to think that that they were just uh, making up numbers. But it's quite possible. It's true. It just it seemed like a lot of human beings, and so let me see if I can find it really fast. But it was. It's estimated that the Axis suffered 260,000 soldiers killed in action with 90,000 captured during the Battle of Stalingrad. The Soviet casualties were much more severe with an estimated half a million soldiers killed and probably at least as many civilians. Mm -hmm. So those are large numbers. And that, that blows me away. Like, I don't even... That's like everyone at the Indianapolis 500 all just dying. Yeah. Right. Like half a million people and or, or Woodstock. Right. It's that's I mean, a, that's a city. That's like a whole city's worth of people dying. Yeah. And then additionally, did you know that uh, Stalin? So as for Stalingrad, uh, Stalin was able to um, because the reason they wanted Stalingrad, uh, Germany wanted it was because of the oil, because the Caucasus fields that were outside of um like vlog, I think is what it was. There's a river that ran through Stalingrad and it was how you could transport things easily. There's oil fields and, you know, in any, any war, especially the German, uh, super powered mechanized war, they needed oil. And so that's why they needed Stalingrad. Um, but I almost said Putin, (laughs) Stalin transported all of the livestock and crops and all that kind of stuff out of there, but he left the people and as this war went on, these people were in a famine and then there was a bunch of casualties, like 30,000 civilians died. And it's just like, why not just move the people too? makes no freaking sense. And that's so heartbreaking to hear. So yeah, it's crazy stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absurd. So the, the, the brickyard holds 350,000 people, Indianapolis 500. So that's 350. They add another 150,000 for just one side, not to mention civilians, and then the other, the the bad guys. That's just a lot of people. That's a lot that's, of people. That stresses me out. Yeah, I I hate that. Mm, that I, makes, I don't makes like the it. Lord very nervous. <laughs> um, my goodness. Um, let's see. Where was I? So, what are your thoughts on snipers? We've seen them portrayed in heroic fashion and even in a cruel way where they bait targets by shooting and wounding multiple targets to, to, get them to come out, you know. Uh, so, not counting Call of Duty, what is your stance on snipers? Is this an honorable profession or a necessary evil? Maybe a little bit of both? <laughs> Camp more, why don't you? I know, right? It drives you crazy when the yeah. sniper just keeps annihilating you in the game. You're like, what the fuck, man? Just spawn killing you, and you're like, dude, play me 1v1, bitch. Play me 1v1. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a run and gun kind of guy. Me too. But every once in a while, I'll be like, all right, I'll pick up the sniper rifle. And then then I can just feel like the, the, the frustration at the other end is palpable. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, oh, they're coming to get me now. I gotta move. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It does feel good to snipe. I mean, so at, at times, you know, I can't stand in video games, but I do snipe a, a good amount. I don't camp. I move around, but you know, whatever. But I, I think they were incredibly important in the war. And, and I don't think it's a cowardly thing at all. They affect the battle in so many ways. You know, if you can have less overall ca- casualties on one side and I talked about Inglorious Bastards, how that was all about propaganda too, you know, with uh, uh, Zoller. Was it Friedrich Zoller? No. Mm-hmm. Doesn't yeah, right. Friedrich Zoller, uh, Pride of the Call Nation. Franco. Franco. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Pride of the Nation. They say he took out like 140 
soldiers, right? Just by himself in a few days. That's a lot of soldiers and a lot of different things. And so one person can do that. I think it's really important, especially in these times of war, man. It's I think it's just as honorable honorable as being an infantry infantry frontline member, but you have a lower rate of death, basically. Because mm-hmm. those frontline members, as we saw, Russia was just running in with bullets and not a gun. So right, you gotta throw I mean, them really hard. Gotta throw them real hard. We got these sticks, right? We can beat you up with these sticks. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with snipers. Um mm-hmm. It's a, stra- uh, said, it's a strategy. You said they're not right? cowardly. No, I did not I think... use the. I did not use the word. Coward. Sorry, I don't mean cowardly. Okay. <laughs> o- o- honorable. I don't think that there's necessarily anything dishonorable about a sniper. They are a tool that is used in a military strategy, and they're used effectively. It's it's important. That's why they're still used today. Especially if you can effectively and quietly t- carry out a mission without you know guns blazing, without Leroy Jenkins it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah I, I i think they're important did you see the movie clear and present danger uh yeah i know it's what it's uh, about harrison ford is uh the jack ryan movie yeah he's like get but, off my president <laughs> no so there's a sniper in that and there's this whole scene where there's a spotter trying to find him and uh they're like sniper at your feet but they're not even close and then they keep the sniper keeps hitting the target that's right next to them and and then eventually he just gets up and he's, you know, in like the full on, you know, wearing sticks and bushes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know, 30 feet in front of him. <laughs> it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, he was able to do that. I think I'm always just a fan of any time a sniper is portrayed in a film, especially this one. They did such an awesome job about showing where they're hiding, uh, the tactics that they use, the things that they look at. And I, I really, really enjoyed the cat and mouse aspect in this game. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, he's like, oh, he's better than me, but you have to you, you just always have to be a step ahead of the person and think critically. So that was really neat, especially, you know, in the 40s where their rifle technology was not as good as it is now, where you can shoot someone from a mile away there. It's like, yeah, you know, you, you have 150 meters and, and that's about it. So right. um, like rigs and lethal weapon can hit a target yeah. from a thousand yards out. Yeah, that's his thing. Yeah. Which is impressive. Very impressive. Most Especially impressive. since unless you unless you use like a special like T1000 liquid metal to mount your scope, every time you shoot, it's probably going to move a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it has to be fastened a special way. Yeah. And and the drop and the wind carry and all that kind of stuff you have to worry yeah. about. It's so crazy. speaking of Call of Duty, like, you know, there was that one uh, there was like that one flashback in Modern Warfare where uh, it goes back to like the Cold War era and like you got to snipe a guy and like in chernobyl or something and <laughs> and there's a wind factor and you yeah. know the distance is so far so you have to aim you know like ridiculously high into like the right or the left to paint on the wind or whatever uh it's pretty crazy to have to think about all that stuff yeah not to mention just the whatever the nerves or the tension mm-hmm. the, the breathing <laughs> there's a lot going on now it's not something i could ever do <laughs> not in a million trillion years yeah it's nuts aim small miss small yeah i don't like um <laughs> uh, but yeah all right and you know you, you talked about the cat and mouse i especially like it when they're in the factory and mm-hmm. he's looking at the glass and he can see that that jula is communicating with somebody but he doesn't know where that other person is that's really cool well and the fact that it was a good reveal because the entire time we're looking at koenig and we're like oh man shit he can see vasily but then vasily 
the entire time has been able to see the vent. That's why you, they show that. He's right, like, the slat. It's the broken slat, right? Yeah. That was really cool. And I really liked Rachel Weiss in this movie a lot. I thought she was awesome. So that was neat that she got to join in with him and uh, get a little distraction. However, getting shot in the hand, he was awfully cavalier about. I would have been like, my hand. It's my shooting hand. Yeah. I don't know how I would have been able to do things after that. That hurts. I know. Oh, well, he's tougher than us. <laughs> you know, we've, we've done three Ed Harris films already. Yeah, I was trying to think about it. The uh, Rock, or, The Abyss, and then and The this. Enemy at the Gates. Yeah. <laughs> is that a lot? Does. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let's talk about the performances. Were there any standouts for you? Oh, well, there we go. Yeah, Jude Law and Ed Harris were amazing. They stole the movie for me. I was actually reading that they got casted in the trivia. They got casted mostly because of their eyes, because mm-hmm. they can do a lot of nonverbal acting and their eyes kind of tell everything. And obviously a film about sniping, sniping, you need to have great eyesight. So I absolutely agree. And Ed Harris is one of those actors who has never won an Academy Award and take that for what it's worth. But the man is a legend. He's so good. And it, especially in this movie, too. He he always seems to be outsmarting Vasily. He always seems to know the score, know what's up. You you can never trust him. Even when he's with Sasha and you're like, oh, he's not going to kill a kid. He's not going to do this. You know, he wants to, he says, hey, Sasha, I prom- you need to promise me to go home. And then that final speech he gives him is so terrifying because he's like, you disappoint know, me. <laughs> you, you, dis- you disappointed me and you disobeyed me. And that's why I'm going to have to do what I'm going to have to do. And I'm like, oh, I don't like you, Ed Harris. Uh, but I, lo- I love the man. He can he can be a good guy. He can be an awful evil person, and I think he's so great. But yeah, I think they they cast it pretty well in this. And like I was saying, Rachel Vice was was awesome. Um, Joseph Fiennes was good. I I don't know if he was like a standout necessarily. I did I did believe their friendship. Um, I really liked Ron Perlman's quick cameo basically because he was in it for ten minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. He he did a he did a really good job, and I like Ron Perlman um, with his teeth. Yeah, gosh. Takes the hammer. He's like, I got the hammer. I didn't get the sickle. Then Bob Hoskins was pretty good. I think for the most part, I didn't really. Yeah, I, he's my standout. I think he was because he's really? barely in the movie. But, you know, he he was he made everyone terrified of him. You know, he's, he's pretty scary. He gives the guy a gun. He's like, well, I don't if you want to clear up the red tape, <laughs> you know, oh, that was that was Here's dark. A gun. <laughs> yeah, that was dark. Buy a bullet and rent a gun. <laughs> there you go. And then um, I think that's about it that I can really think of. Yeah. All right. No, that's fair. I'll take it. Now, propaganda played a tremendous role in World War II, and this film did a great job of detailing how Russia needed a hero uh, and inspired hope for the motherland to help win the war. Can you think of any modern day propaganda we see today and does it have any influence on you? This one was tough. I couldn't really see too much, but I was thinking of just trolls, internet trolls. Uh, and basically, I don't know. And I'm going to paraphrase because I misremember a lot of it. But like the Russian trolls that were involved with the election tampering and different things like that. When you go to a certain mes- message board or any COVID misinformation, you'll get trolls and people who will start fires. And I think that that can build up a lot. So in a sense, this misinformation is like a, is propaganda. And that's why we have such divided lines on on vaccines and you know, freedom and all this kind of stuff. So I would say maybe that is is a, is propaganda, but I can't really think of anything precisely unless you can. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, Facebook is a perfect example. Social media in general, right? There's all these different groups that are spreading misinformation. But I, th- I think memes as a whole are extraordinary propaganda, you know, like even just like 
uh, cartoons and political magazines. Uh, that's something that you see every day. There was one meme that that made me laugh, and and it's it was so offensive, but, but I could see how people would find it true. I, I think TikTok is is kind of doing that too with all the different challenges that have occurred or the sure. stupid shit that people have done. You know, like yeah, it's eat, literally convincing people to do dumb yeah, shit. Eating you know, Tide like, Pods. <laughs> yeah, bring a gun to school, punch yeah, a teacher. Punch a teacher. And, yeah. and it's people that are being influenced by by this media. And it's, and it's crazy. And you can't just think of it as a picture anymore. It's not a poster that's, that's uh, the Uncle Sam Wants You poster. Sure, that was great in the 40s. But now fast forward and it's a TikTok person saying, hey, do this shit. Check out this challenge. That's exactly that's exactly true. It's it's social media has changed the way we process information, even to the point where, you know, like in basketball, where he was saying, uh, you know, humans attention spans last nanoseconds (laughs) to where like the guy that the, the person that created Vine had the right idea. Right. Like just eight seconds to tell your little story. And and then. You know, companies like Instagram figured out how to make it better, right? Mm-hmm. But and then of course TikTok or whatever. But they they definitely experiment, right? Is it is it is fifteen seconds the right window? Is a minute the right window? You know, how much time does it take? YouTube used to be the video wanted to be like fifteen minutes. People don't have fifteen minutes to watch a YouTube video. You got me for three minutes. That's a hard. <laughs> that's a hard skip for me. If I see a video over like five minutes, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's too long. Time for this. Oh, it, it's, really, really. It's, honestly, it's too long. Like even with with uh, pitch meetings, like under five. I, I look at the time. I'm like, is it under five? Please be under five minutes. Please be under five minutes. And uh, that's just I don't the way know. we. That's exactly. Whoopsie. That's just the way we process information now. And so people have figured that out. And and so now it's 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 Facebook, it's TikTok, and it's and it's memes. It's crazy. I think one that really bugged me and still kind of bugs me is just people believing celebrities can do no wrong, and celebrities are are the 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 cure to it. So remember at the start of COVID when Gal Gadot, love Gal Gadot, but she did that fucking music video with all the other celebrities, and they sang "Imagine" by yeah. John Lennon. I thought that was the stupidest fucking thing and how they were like, we're all in this together sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. We are all weathering the same storm, but a lot of those people have, you have yachts and we have rowboats. Like, give me a fucking break. So that kind of stuff. I don't even have a rowboat. I don't even have an oar. And, and, and um, one of the things I cannot stand is is pop culture in the sense of, celebrity marriages and and all that kind of stuff like who we, we talked about bill Hader and anna kendrick dating i was like i don't know that uh, but uh, there you are didn't people, even know that <laughs> there are people who live and breathe that kind of stuff sure and i am just like i can't do that that is not something i do but they portray this this beautiful wonderful life that they have and they're probably just garbage people so i you think um, you think bill Hader and Anna Kendrick or garbage? No, people? I think they're saints. I think they're beautiful. But I, you know, I, I don't know the relationship, but also I don't give a shit about their relationship. I think it's cool that they're together. I like both of them a lot, but I'm not going to go follow their Instagram and like all their pictures of them together and share and retweet everything. So I, I get um I get a little annoyed with celebrities. You. Who are you? I know. <laughs> I get annoyed with uh I get annoyed with with the celebrity stuff like that. Like the Benefer? Yeah, <laughs> you're, not, you're not up to date on the benefit. Yeah, the taco flavored kisses for my lover. Oh man, that's too bad. I know. All right. 
Fair enough. Moving on. Unfortunately, in American films, Russians are rarely seen outside of stereotypes. There's usually a fella named Boris. Everyone is a gangster and wearing track suits. Uh, they all drink vodka. They have fuzzy hats for days. And it's always, always, always winter or freezing cold. Are you okay with this? Or would you like to see change in how we perceive Russia and its people in future films? Slugheads. Slugheads. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've never been to Russia, so I don't want to speak ill about it. Uh, I would like to see different, though. Uh, I feel like we do get a lot of the same type of, you know, morose, uh, blue, dark undertones of what it looks like. Russia looks like a miserable place in any film that you watch. Especially in this movie, too. I mean, they did a really it's a period piece, and it's World War II, and the city's falling apart. But it made me think, like, wow, I am so glad I don't live in a war-torn city. Yeah, just be miserable. And Russia is supposed to be the hero ostensibly for this film, right? Right. So it just looks like it's so awful, and it shows the it shows the their own soldiers murdering them, and I'm just like, oh man. So it kind of reminds me of you know, there's a meme out there that says Mexico, and it shows Mexico as pretty, you know, very pretty, but then it says Mexico in Netflix films, and they just put like a sepia tone thing or like a a weird filter on it to make it look darker, like Sicario almost, you know. And so I think that's always funny, but I do think we need to switch that up. Germany's done the same way. Germany's a very, very vibrant and beautiful uh, country, but in many films we have, you know, it's, uh, oh, they're going to Germany, you know, some underground bunkers and all this. Bratislava. Yeah, all this crazy, <laughs> yeah, all this crazy stuff going on there. The um... Whammy Wise, number one new hit show. <laughs> Bratislava. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But all the Gestapos and stuff like that. Sure. So, yeah, I, I've never been to Russia. I definitely want uh, to visit there someday. But I, I think we need to change things up and, and, and uh, portray it differently because that's not that's not fair to do. However, you know, I'm, I'm sure that America is portrayed in a certain light as well. Like everybody has their guns and they're shooting everybody left and right, which isn't that far off. But. Right. Yeah, I'm curious. Alex has been to Russia. She never left the airport, though. It was like a layover kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, In Russia, airport layover you. <laughs> we have no money. We have no money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you $20 American. Keep them coming, kid. Oh, Smirnoff. Yakov Smirnoff. Yakov Smirnoff. Yeah. Good stuff. It is good stuff. That's uh, from King of the Hill, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> when they go to Branson for the... Uh, the bluegrass competition, there you go. as it were. So being a spy or a double agent in this case is a very dangerous game. I like how in this story, heroes come in all shapes and sizes. This movie shows us that men, women, and children were all doing their part to protect their homeland from invaders. What are some of your biggest takeaways from the enemy at the gates? Uh, it's definitely you know a joint effort um, to to win a war, and it takes everybody I wish Stalin would have realized that and also protected his civilians who couldn't fight, like the women and children who horribly had to live there and get murdered because people are fighting. It was just it was awful. Um, Sasha playing the double agent was was scary. It was it was a dangerous game. I mean, it's it's noble of him to want to step up to defend his hero Vasily. But I don't know, man, you play a fire, you're going to get burned. And so I think the cool thing about it, though, is like even the smallest person can become a hero. And. So as much as we just talked about propaganda during the war, it was a very real thing and it made a lot of sense. It helped enlist people, right? Where my my favorite uh, portrayal of it, or one of my favorite portrayals is also from Edge of Tomorrow, 
uh, Full Metal Bitch, you know, Elizabeth Blunt's uh, character or Emily Blunt's character, I'm sorry, where she has that huge ass helicopter blade and you're just like, oh my God, so cool. And you just, you want to fight when you see her. You get this like Master Chief-esque kind of uh, invigorance inside of you and you're like, oh man, I'm so excited. So I, I, I think it's really neat that Vasilia is inspiring all of these people and that hope can inspire the masses. That was pr- probably my biggest takeaway from it. And also that war is awful <laughs> and that blind nationalism can also destroy countries too. 500,000 people plus died, like you were saying, and there is no way that that many people needed to die. That could have easily been changed if the tactics were changed. Look at World War. I'm sorry, look at, um, well, World War One was was awful too because of the trench warfare and people weren't changing their tactics of, of battle. It was ugly. It was awful. Same thing with, um, you know, like the Civil War or uh, the uh, war for the American Revolution when we were fighting the Britons where, you know, they do their flanks like in order you take turns shooting like who the hell does that <laughs> when you just attack them when you sneak attack them like mel gibson does so i think i think that that was some of the those are some of the biggest takeaways that i had from this is that wars is very awful and yeah yeah so you know you mentioned uh you're talking about uh, you know, women and children not being able to fight and stuff what's interesting is um the Soviet Union mobilized women at an early stage of the war, integrating them into the main army units and not not using uh, auxiliary status. More than 800,000 women served in the Soviet armed forces during the war, which is roughly 3% of the total military personnel, mostly medics. About 300,000 served in anti-aircraft units and performed all functions in the batteries, including firing guns. A smaller number were combat flyers in the Air Force forming three bomber wings and joining into other wings. Women also saw combat in infantry and armed armored units. And then they mentioned that sniper uh, Ludmilla uh, Pavlochenko, who had the record of 309 Germans, uh, mostly officers and enemy snipers. That's freaking nuts. Dude. Yeah. And of course, here in the United States, uh, you know, women were, were pretty involved as well. Uh, that is crazy how when it's a world war and just everyone has to do their part in the Starship Troopers, I'm doing my I'm part. I'm doing my part. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, Would you like to know more? The whole world is trying to kill each other. That's fucking nuts, dude. Yeah, not a not a fan of it, but I'm more meant like the, the stay at home moms. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, like Sasha's mom and yeah, everything. Right, exactly. So, I mean, then there's like the roles of typing, um, you know. Uh, supplies, uh, you know, sewing things. Uh, obviously, this is in the 40s. So yeah. uh, there was different viewpoints on what women can and cannot do, as ridiculous as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I think of that, uh, that talk about propaganda, that one poster with the lady, you know, we can yeah. do it, you know, exclamation point. Um, Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter. Yeah. Yeah. She's Crazy. Buff. She does. She doesn't skip arm day. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty cool. I mean, my grandmother was a woman in World War II, which is pretty great. Cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Uh, can't I can't imagine. But yeah, everyone has to do their part. She was like Tom Hardy flying the planes and be like, she was, she was not. But I mean, <laughs> being a woman during World War II is pretty intense. Hell yeah, it is. There's, I mean, it's a war. Yeah, <laughs> definitely intense. It's scary as hell. I don't care who you are. Yeah, it's uh, scary, scary stuff. Um, where was I? Okay, so let's talk about the musical score, which we did a little bit already and how it was a little jarring for you and just not really making sense. Um, 
But the film has a remarkable resemblance to the music heard in Willow. I dare say it's the main theme from Enemy of the Gates is the exact same music heard when the bad guys are on screen in Willow. Uh, you can fight <laughs> me on it. I, I honestly think that uh, that Mr. Horner was like, let me just copy and paste. <laughs> control music. C, control V. No one saw Willow. <laughs> no one will remember this. But he was not counting on Justin Cavender having the Don't Be Crazy podcast. <laughs> some 20 years after the film comes out (laughs) (laughs) it's the long con and it failed so what are some of your favorite scores from the late james horner well willow obviously obviously hello i would have to say that titanic is his best that was utterly iconic and obviously my heart will go on was you know the the main song we we know but all the all the strings and the flutes that kind of happened throughout that film were were incredible it it really really enhanced the movie for me even avatar i don't like avatar but there's no denying that that was a visual and and uh eargasm of a film Uh there was so much going on and the reason you needed to see it in imax was was for that kind of stuff uh the also Braveheart. He did um, he did some uh, part of the music in Braveheart, I guess. Or I don't know if he did the if he's the composer for it, but he was listed for Braveheart. And that movie is incredible. The score is incredible. The acting, Prima the cinematography. Nocta. Prima Nocta. <laughs> I oppose that movie makes Prima me Nocta. so mad. I know. When those nobles don't show up and betray him, I am. Fucking I am upset. Earl the Bruce. <laughs> jackass i'm like you are gonna get this big old ball on the end of this chain into your face yeah i like it i was not happy with that and one then either. the asshole at the end you fought for william wallace why don't you fight for me i'd be like, like you betrayed me. <laughs> <laughs> fucking cocksucker I'm like uh, get out of here guy yeah he wanted i don't the know you <laughs> <laughs> i do not know this man uh apollo 13 as well that is a very very good one There's i like no music in space yeah there is Lots of it. You gotta listen to your headphones, though. See, you don't want to disturb the others. <laughs> it's uh, the neutron dance in space. That's what they play. Sure. And it's the end of the world as we know it. If no. We saw the Independence Day. Oh yeah. That blasting that out into the universe. And they also have. They put a man on the moon. Man on the moon. They did. Okay, another REM song. Uh, Ariane, they broke up, you know, that Michael Snipe, he's a character. Well, this one goes out to the one that I love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You, know, you know the part where he's like, uh, there's the one where he goes, uh, how does it go? He's like, I got my spine, I got my orange crush. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> follow me, don't follow me. Do you know that song? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't but know what it's called. He's, he, I got my spine, I got my orange crush, but I always change it to orange soda. <laughs> I don't know why. But I do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> about the war in Stalingrad. <laughs> I got my spine. Lottie or... plays the jack. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Orange Crush. Yeah, the song is actually called Orange Crush. I got my spine. I've got my orange soda. <laughs> my, fav- my favorite REM song is Losing My Religion, easily. Isn't oh he says collar me don't collar me I thought he said follow me don't follow me oh like the lyrics it's important <laughs> Lottie I forgot all about Lottie and Jack plays with Adolf <laughs> and he's happy again <laughs> oh jeez Mr. Pete oh, the man. Gabriel there <laughs> the Gabriels 
<laughs> Gabitrons. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what my favorite James Horner films are. Probably uh, An American Tale. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that one. Uh, Captain EO, the 3D experience. <laughs> Wasn't that a Disneyland ride? At the, at the D-Town. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> the Rocketeer and Sneakers. So we were talking about Sneakers off the air. Uh, and I really like that movie. It's Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, and uh, uh, Ben Kingsley is in it. And I think we should check it out. We like heist movies, and it is the ultimate heist movie when digital was becoming a thing. The town isn't a heist movie. Um, actually, it is. <laughs> they still like three goddamn times in that movie. I know. It's a heist movie. Uh, and they try and get away. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 100% a heist movie. They successfully heisted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I have a secret question for you. I didn't want to ask you this sooner because I didn't want you to think about it too much. But throughout the film, the only kills, the only times Vasily is ever seen killing anyone is at the beginning in Stalingrad, one of your favorite scenes, uh, and at the end when he kills Koenig, uh, which is really... Um, Aside from him shooting the wolf or whatever, or not even really shooting the wolf, those are the only times he ever really fires his gun. Did you realize this after you watched it? And do you think that we should get more of a silly, super terrific sniper time? Or did we get enough? You know, what's a really interesting theory is maybe he actually... No, I guess... Okay, so my theory that I was going to say was he actually didn't kill all those people that they're claiming that he killed. However, we get confirmation from that uh, from the German side who are like, he killed these officers, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I mean, we're, we're talking about legend here, right? Where, you know, legends precede themselves. And so I'm wondering if they're using that propaganda and if maybe that is kind of a, a mind fuck all in itself. And that's why the director only showed him killing, you know, five people total, but really he had 257 kills. So I, I wonder if he was trying to play around with that. Obviously, you know, it's history and we know he had this many kills, but I think for me, it wasn't even necessarily about him shooting. It was more everything that that was involved with it, like the routes that he would take, you know, his um, his tactic that he would use. He's like, I, that was an impossible shot. I'm, I'm just not I'm not going to beat this guy. I'm not good enough sort of thing. And this guy's a psychopath. He stays in one place after firing like those people scare me. I think that was really neat to see him on his toes and and moving around certain ways and always be ahead of things like when they are in the when they first meet Koenig after he kills the boyfriend and um, Ludmilla and he keeps telling Ludmilla like she's like we're in a trap he's like I know he just he he knows it's so cool so I, I was more into that stuff than necessarily seeing him shooting people so I don't know does that mm-hmm. answer your question yeah I think so I just thought it was weird for it being a sniper movie and yeah he's not doing the sniping you it know, is he's, interesting he's on the run it, and it is a know, definitely an interesting take they made the point that Ludmilla killed like 300 people mm-hmm. and, and she is on his team. What if she's the one killing everybody? That's what I was saying. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, you never know. I mean, he, he fell asleep in some bodies and he's and like, let's go get their dog tags. Oh man. I'd have been like, no, 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 no. Don't you go mess with my dog tags. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. No, I don't want to die. Yeah. Mr. Science uh, Guy. Yeah. <laughs> don't spray that aerosol in my, in my eye. eye. I, I don't want to die. Oh, my God. It's so funny. What's with the knife? We having cake or something? 
Uh, so final thoughts and your letter grade. Obviously, you want to downplay it a little bit. I'm curious what letter grade you would have given it prior to this watch because you remembered liking it more. Yeah, I would have given it an A back in the day, but it's a, it's a B for me. I I like it. I absolutely like it. Um, I recommend people watch it if they haven't seen it. But I don't it's not one that I'm like, oh, I'm just going to put on, you know, like Warrior, right? Where I'm like, man, I haven't seen it in a while. I want to watch it. I've seen it and it kind of takes away from the rewatchability because I know the cat and mouse stuff. It is really neat, though, to see how Etta Harris moves around. I think that's really great. And we have some beautiful performances from them. So, yes, it's, kids, it's kids it's, from Texas who came in on a horse. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a B for me, I believe. Uh, B for buzz. <laughs> I think that's fair. I would also give it a B. I really enjoy this movie. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a long time. It had been several years, and I I wanted us to do this a long time ago, but then I kind of forgot about it. And then I saw <laughs> it was streaming on HBO. So I was like, or no, Prime. It's streaming on Prime. And what's funny is I went to HBO first to look for it. I'm like, what the fuck? I thought it was on HBO. And then I went to Netflix. wasn't there. Then I went to Hulu. wasn't there. Then I was like, what's it streaming on? And then I looked it up, and it was Prime. I'm like, only I want to look it up first <laughs> because searching for stuff with your TV remote is one of the worst things ever. It's got to be what hell is like. I'm not going to lie. No, 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 no. That's what you know. <laughs> I was getting irritated. Yeah. I was like, what is this fucking thing streaming on? And then I almost went to our conversation. After I found out what it was streaming on, I went to our conversation and I saw that I had texted you. It's on Prime. <laughs> I was like, damn it. Silly yeah. me. I, I definitely... I, I mean, I'm glad we watched it for sure. It's it's one of those movies that I, I do like talking about and I will recommend it to pretty much everybody uh, just because, yeah, it's a cool war film. I, I don't want to say cool war film. You know what I mean? But it's yeah, a good mean. it's a good it war is. film. Absolutely. I mean, because I, someone like me that has a hard time with war films, uh, this one, you know, there. Yes, there is that love triangle. It's a little weird, but, um, you know, take that away and it's it's fun. It's like. Yeah, because uh, Joseph Fine's character, he's barely even in it. So it's like, dude, she's not interested in you. He keeps all like, hey, want to want to come work for me at the paper? You know, yeah, <laughs> you're a smart girl. Why don't you come work for me? You don't belong here. Yeah. And you can really advance your career if you know what I yeah. mean. She's like, Get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> I know. Like, Leave me alone. What's your deal? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I take that part away, but I really enjoy how. Uh, the movie plays out. I think it's a, it's an interesting watch, and I like and and like you, I think Ed Harris is pretty pretty badass. That guy's he's so good. I feel like I'd watch anything that the guy's in. I really like what he does. Like Milk Money, I love that movie. <laughs> Milk Money, yeah, it's a good one. Yes, like Milk Money. <laughs> <laughs> he has a sniper rifle on that one. I think. My goodness, I think we all think he has a sniper rifle on that one. Yeah. Uh, is it Melanie Griffith that's in that movie? Yeah. Yeah, Melanie Griffith. She's great. She was married to Antonio Banderas. Yeah, Antonio E. Banderas. There you go. Uh, well, cool. Uh, that is it for me, my friend. Thank you for letting me watch this movie again. Heck yeah. I can't wait to hear what we're watching next. Yeah, always, man. So thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Justin, where can we find you on the social medias? You can find me at Edgy Armo on the Twitter there. Oh, I've heard of Twitter. What's your TikTok handle and all the fun dances you do? Uh, I don't have. You can follow <laughs> at Bluefin Brands. Uh, that's where we have all our fun videos. Yeah, you guys have a lot of awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish I, I wish I had money someday that I could buy those things. <laughs> yeah, I love inside jokes. I want to be part of one one day. 
<laughs> yeah. I just watched that episode this morning. Oh, man. So I, restart, I restarted The Office, and wouldn't you know it, I am on season three already. There you go. Love it. Uh, you, we have a Twitter page for the Don't Be Crazy podcast. It is the DB Crazy Pod, or at DB Crazy Pod, I should say. And then my Twitter is at ZachDale60. Go ahead and uh, follow us on there. Tweet at us. Share your thoughts. Poke us. Hug us. Whatever whatever you do on the social medias. And then you can also recommend movies for us to watch, like Enemy at the Gates 2, Conan's Revenge, Sasha's Revenge. <laughs> so please make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Additionally, we're also available on every other major podcast app. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.